Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests, and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and wanna be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Erin Neshi. She is one of the industry's top business coaches for creative entrepreneurs. She specializes in helping creative women replace the corporate nine to five and launch a profitable business that showcases their creativity through her signature program, the Business Academy for Creative Entrepreneurs, which is a four pillar approach to building a business from the ground up for creative thinkers. Erin, welcome to the space. Hi, Hollis, can you hear me? I can, hello, hello. How are you? I am good, how are you doing? I'm great. Good. Happy Wednesday. Thanks. You too. (laughs) Thank you. So (laughs) after reading that little bit about you, my fellow creative being, um, can you please let people know a little bit about yourself before we dive in? Sure. Um, So I have um, been working in this space for a couple of years now, Um, but a little bit of background on me is I actually have a music degree. Um, I'm a jazz singer and a professional uh, classical flute player. And I also have two MBAs from top business schools in the US and Canada. So I have one from Cornell and one from Queens. And I also have a 25 year career that includes working with nonprofits, um, working in the entertainment industry, working for corporate businesses. And I've worked in the creative industry, both on and off the stage before I transitioned to corporate business where my last role was on the senior leadership team of a financial institution. So that's kind of a little bit of my my work background. Now, when it comes to my coaching, um, I also have a number of different coaching certifications. So I'm a certified professional coach from the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. And that is um, one of the largest ICF accredited training programs worldwide and represents the gold standard of coaching. And I'm also an associate certified coach through the International Coaching Federation. Um, so all of this to say, really, I'm, I'm a creative woman with business expertise. So I get the creative minds, but I also get the corporate professional. And I think that that's kind of what sets me apart from other business coaches is that a lot of them don't come from a creative background, but I do. So I consider that my secret sauce working with creative entrepreneurs. Oh my gosh. You kind of like have everything. You're like, (laughs) you're like the magic woman. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Seriously, I mean, because there's that stereotype of the creative type, you know, of course, you know, everybody varies in all of this, but it's, you know, the creative one, they just have ADD, shiny object, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then there's the the stereotype of the corporate, which is like more structured and rigid and da da da, um, which isn't necessarily all that way. But you have this ability to float in between two worlds and all over the place and create this new space. It's just beautiful. Right. Thank you. And, you know, I actually, as I was building my coaching practice, I realized that there was a big gap there and, and you've nailed it by saying, you know, a lot of people think that creatives have that shiny object syndrome and, and um, that business people are very rigid. And I've actually found neither are true. Um, you know, creative people, um, yes, they are creative, but they're also able to focus. I mean, you think of how much energy and, and effort it takes in creating something and building something new. And it translates really well, actually, into building a business. It's just giving them the structure and the knowledge and the tools they need in order to apply it to building their business. But when you put them together, what they can create is actually unbelievably successful and, and amazing to watch. I love how you just said that, that it's really in creating the structure. Because in order to create something from nothing, there's there's that process of kind of of the of the coming up with it, of the shaping it in your imagination, of kind of jumping from thing to thing, but kind of gathering ideas. And there's just a lot that goes into the space, but structure is so important at a certain point when it's just kind of like all over the place. You're like, okay, pull it together. Right. <laughs> Get focused. Yeah. Let's do this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. This is going to be a great conversation, but before <laughs> we dive in, to the first official question, we're going to do our would you rather. So, Aaron, are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Whew, take a breath here. Okay. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous, I'm not going to lie. This is going to be safe for work, right? Yes, 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 yes. Not not a bad one. It's just a okay. little wordy. It's a little wordy, but it's not bad. So, okay. okay. Would you rather take amazing selfies and look terrible in every other photo or be photogenic everywhere but selfies? I think I'd rather take amazing selfies um, because it would capture what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing and it would create my own memories. And I don't really have to share them with anybody if I don't look great in them, but I'd have a kind of a visual library of everything I've done. I love that answer. And it's so the opposite of what I thought you were going to say, which is, <laughs> which is the beauty of all this. Here I am, admittedly, raising my hand here, which you can't see. Um, I was thinking, well, you know, it's such a younger generation thing to be stuck in this selfie thing. And do we really take selfies? So yeah, you'd want to look good in other pictures. But I love what you just said, and I especially want to underline what you just said, that it doesn't have to be for anybody else. Right. Kind of like my own little private visual diary. Yes. Yes. <laughs> God, I love that. I've been talking to a few people, um, funny, about photography. And yeah, a lot of this has been kind of coming up about the lens and how we see things. And our eye is a lens, you mm -hmm. know, it's without necessarily needing the camera to click the image. That's really nice. It's funny because I'm kind of here I am doing jump jump to jump story. But my daughter, when she's 18, when she was working um, with preschool after school, she would hold up her hands and act like a camera. 
and she would just be like, she'd look at them and just like act like she was taking a picture and she'd make the sound. She'd go click. And they'd say, can you send a picture to my mom? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> She's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It's just like an immediate response. Um, yeah. 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 Anyway, gotta love kids. Absolutely. Yeah. My kid used to take photos all the time. I'm a horrible photographer myself. I'm just horrible. But, How could um, you be horrible? How is that? It's just, I don't know. I, I've never, I've never done the research, I guess. I don't know how to, um, you know, capture different things differently. I just don't have that visual eye. Thankfully, I surround myself with people that do. So if I ever needed great photos, I've got lots of options at my fingertips, but myself, no, I'm, I'm the person that cuts off, you know, part of the face or the foot or whatever it might be. I take horrible <laughs> photos. So the beauty of surrounding yourself around, but that also kind of leads into another thing of not having to know how to do everything. Yeah, exactly. Within the creative yeah. process, right? It's like right. you realize when you can reach out to people and be like, this isn't my thing. Can you please help me? Uh, it's your thing. Right. Yeah, because I am not a visual artist. I mean, I could not paint for the life of me. My grandmother was actually a very talented artist. I did not inherit that gene. It's just, I, I, you put a paintbrush in my hand and I can draw a stick figure and that's about it. Um, it's just not my skill. Well, that's why we're here to talk about creativity in every other form, because even though I went to art school, that's not my expression. I ended up studying ceramics and um, how I see creativity for me work out in my life besides building my business and my parenting and everyday life. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, is working with clay, uh, but not so much clay anymore lately, really collage and really, and writing. Right. Those have been, those have been too strong ways. So here we go. Okay. So first official, official question is okay. how do you define creativity? Okay. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I can't hold a paintbrush. It's not my thing. I'm a musician. Um, but having said that, I actually don't think that creativity is exclusive to artsy people or artistic people or whatever you want to call them to, I, I don't believe that that's the case. I think it's more than being able to like paint or sculpt or sing or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I think it's more um, aligned with following your passion and trusting in your talent. So it's being able to, you know, um, empower your innovation or, or bring things out that you create for the rest of the world to consume or to, to see and kind of bringing your authentic self to the things that you do and letting that shine through whatever it is that you're building. So, you know, like I've worked with some of my clients, for example, are um, in the beauty and fashion industry, or some of them were in the outdoor adventure and fitness industry. And you wouldn't think that that is a creative entrepreneur, but you know, what made them creative entrepreneurs is they had something that was innovative, that was different, that they wanted to bring alive for their customers. And they needed to empower their creativity in order to do that. So, um, to me, that's really what creativity is, is empowering your own innovation, having trust in your own thought process and, and believing that you've got what it takes to do something different, to reach your clients in a new way and to kind of bridge that gap that exists in the marketplace because there is always a gap um, in, in letting yourself fill it. Hmm. I love those words that you said um, and some I'll repeat back is innovative, bring alive, 
empowering trust. Trust is like, I circled that a bunch of times um, and owning the process. Because just like you said, these entrepreneurs who do all these different things, or it doesn't have to be an entrepreneur, it could just be an individual and in how you show up and whatever you do is it's that thing that you need to own your authentic talents and trust your talent. Mm -hmm. If you sit there questioning yourself all the time, then what does that do? It makes you feel crappy. <laughs> it's like, That's right. you're questioning your self-worth. Oh, does anybody really need that? Well, I'm not really good at that anyway. And does, and what does that do as just an individual? And then what does that do if you're having a business? Like who wants to come to that? <laughs> who wants right. to, who wants to have anything to do with you? If you're like, well, I had this, but I don't know if you really want it. Right. And that's a big thing is you have to trust that, you know, you know, trust in your own ability and trust that um, you can do it. And, you know, but to be honest, it is scary. Like it's a very scary thing to do. Um, but if you do things, the, the quote unquote safe route all the time, you're not um, going to push yourself to a new place. You might not even know exists. Or a lot of the times in, in my opinion, a lot of people think that what is the safe route is not necessarily as safe as it appears. And how is it safe if you're sitting there in a situation where you're really not feeling that you're living the way you want to be living? Does right. that make sense? Yes. Yeah, because that's what most people do. They hang on for the safe route. They're like, oh, well, this, you know, it's very, I know what's going to happen, da, 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 da. And then life goes by. And that's, those are the stories you hear on your deathbed. Like it's, you know, I wish I did more of this. I wish I did more of that. I really right. actually was good at this. And so in short, it's basically living your life. Right. And the thing with creative people is I think, and I, I, I have this as, I mean, I say this a lot to my clients actually, is that, you know, creative people are taught that they can be one of two things. They can either be artistic or they can be successful because the ones that are successful and artistic are really lucky or they're one in a million, you know, like they call them unicorns or whatever that is. And I actually don't subscribe to that. Like, I don't think you need to stifle your creativity to have a thriving career. I think you can have both, but it takes trust in the process and trust in your talents and the courage to take that risk and step outside of your comfort zone in order to actually see what you're really capable of doing. Yeah. Yeah, I want to first I want to welcome the people that are here live. Thank you so much for being here. Um, please feel free to put any questions or comments in the chat box where we can see them. And Michael, thank you. Yeah, he said the graveyard is full of great ideas. Yeah, that's Perfect. so true. <laughs> it's so true. Um, so take us on a little bit more of a journey, um, Aaron, about where you since you've had such a um, a varied background of being a classically trained um did you say flutist or flautist? Flautist. Flautist and a jazz singer and then into corporate. Like if you can give us a little bit about how that went a little bit more and then we'll, we'll go further. Thank you. Sure. So yeah, all through, all through my entire life, really, I, I played the flute. I started when I was quite young. I don't actually remember what grade, I think it might've been grade three. And I went through, um, you know, my high school years playing and, and then I went through university and I got a degree in it. And then I, you know, I used to perform um, in local clubs or what have you in in my city and my town. And then I got into festival management. So I actually switched from being on the stage to being behind the stage. And I did a lot of, you know, stage management and concert production and worked with some really great um, 
names and it was a really, really cool experience, especially for someone that had just, you know, gotten a music degree. It was just like, I thought I was living the dream, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I did that for a few years and I, I um, am from Vancouver, BC, Canada. So I came back home because I was actually in university back East in Ontario and I moved back home and I, I got more of a um, proper job, put it that way. And I started, um, you know, my, my work with nonprofits and in corporate and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I, I realized as I was working um, and, and kind of, you know, progressing throughout my career that something was missing. And, you know, I, I actually will never forget the time that I was sitting in my, my last corporate role. And I remember looking around and thinking like, how, how did I get here? You know, and it wasn't like a kind of a pinch me. And this was in my, um, my most senior role. And it wasn't the like, wow, I finally arrived. And how did I make it here? It was more of like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and the irony was that I had worked really hard to get there. I had been focused, I had been driven. And I thought that when I finally had a seat at that, you know, coveted senior leadership table, that I'd feel like I had arrived and that, you know, everything would fall into place, but it didn't at all. And I didn't feel successful. And, you know, more than anything, I felt tired. Um, I was really overworked and frustrated. I felt completely out of alignment um, because I realized I had left my creativity at the wayside. I had completely neglected it and, and almost rejected it for something that I believed um, was the safe route and was what I thought I was supposed to be doing. But, you know, in reality, like my well-being was in the tank. My confidence was totally shot. My happy disposition was long gone. Um, And I felt like, you know, I had really bitten myself in the, you know what. Um, So looking back on that, you know, I, I was really suffocating my um, creative spirit or my creativity for what I thought was expected of me. And I know that I'm not the only one that's done this. You know, I know that I'm not alone in this and it's very much shaped how I run my business now and, and the projects and the, the programs that I offer for um, other creatives. So powerful. Um, my first question in this is how did you make the switch from being or how did the opportunity come up that you were on stage where I'm guessing and you can maybe um, expand on that was your happy space Mm -hmm. um, playing and singing and then being into festival management and being backstage like how did that happen and how did that feel being backstage I loved it it was awesome it was um so I I did love being on stage and it was a very um it was a very comfortable place for me to be and it's funny because I used to have a fear of public speaking as well. And, and I could get up and I could sing and I could play my flute and it wouldn't be a problem. But public speaking was just like, hang on, like back it up. Um, I, I got over that, thankfully. Um, but I did like being on the stage. But what I missed, and it's funny because I am a creative person, but I missed some of the um, the back like behind the scenes stuff, if that makes sense. Like I wanted to have my, get my hands a little bit more dirty with it. And I wanted to be part of it a little bit more. And so after I graduated from university with my music degree 
and I took, did I take a year off? I don't actually remember, but I went into an event production um, program. So I actually am um, certified in produ event production as well, festival and event management. And, you know, when I was in high school, I used to be the, the party planner. I used to, you know, I was the one that organized the proms and sold the tickets for the boat cruises and all of the grad parties and, and what have you. And so party organizing was also kind of part of who I, who I am. I'm a real people person. I like to surround myself with people. So it was just a natural fit for me to be the party planner as well. So I kind of married those two things together because I was like, I, I, I still felt like something wasn't completely aligned with what I wanted to be doing. Um, so I brought that back in and I started doing some of the backstage stuff and the stage management. And it was really, really fun. I loved it. I like how you're talking about the word feel. You've said that a bunch of times. It's like, how does that feel? Mm -hmm. It's, it's like assessing because you're actually feeling into your body to feel the alignment. So in this case, you were like, oh, it feels really good. And then when you spoke about corporate, which I understand that situation being where I was in my teaching, when it got to a point where you do all these things and you're like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. This doesn't feel good. Right. Like, it's, and I think that's when people often, from what I see, is when people finally become aware of their body in that way and how it sits in their body, that's where the transformation happens. Some people decide to stay in it because there's a lot of fear. But when people get sick enough of that feeling, they're ready to jump. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, I that's that's one of the things that I help people do is to make that transition. But one thing that I really emphasize with them is, you know, you can't just make the jump unless you're able to build a plan. Like you need to have a plan in place so that you know, um, you know, how this how this is going to work for you like what what do you need in place in order to be able to make this jump so you know i would never tell someone like okay yeah you're not feeling great and you've got an idea just let's let's quit your job and move on like no you need to you know work with someone understand your finances you know like what what do you need in order to cover your living expenses and also a little bit of self care like it's not all about being able to keep your lights on and your water running it's also about taking care of yourself, right? And maybe one of those options is considering like a bridge job or, or whatever it might be to give yourself a little bit more income and, you know, allow yourself some time to focus on building your business. And you also need to be able to like make that mental switch because an employee and an entrepreneur are very, very different beings. You know, an employee yeah. shows up and they, they have their hours that they work in a day, you know, whatever it is that, whether they're salaried or hourly or whatever it is, they still have a typical nine to five or 10 to four, or whatever the schedule is. They have a workday schedule and you need to be able to develop that out, right? So yes, I think that people do hit that point where they're like, I need to get out of here. But I definitely um, recommend to, to my clients, you know, you need to build yourself a plan that's going to work with you and align with your goals and, and, you know, build it out before you get to that place where you're just like, I can't imagine another day here. Mm -hmm. Build a plan and align with the goal. Yes. Yes. Which is what makes you such a really great balance in this space to help the, this creative type. So, so looking at what I titled this launching a profitable, profitable business that showcases creativity, I guess I just want to ask you a little bit more is 
I don't know if I should use the word obviously, but when people come to you at this point, do people know what it is that they want to do? Or do they come to you and they're like, I kind of like this, I kind of like that, help me hone in? You know, it's a bit of both. Um, so my my program is based on a four pillar approach. Um, and one of my pillars is actually called um, Sketch Your Business. And so this is where you're going to take the time to brainstorm what is your ideal business, you know, and, and embark on the initial stages of building that business. So I have them go through exercises, you know, for example, where they align their values, they sketch their, mis their mission statement with their business plan, and they start to initiate that mindset that they need to shift from the corporate employee to the su successful creative entrepreneur. And part of that is exactly like what I was just talking about with building your plan, you know, like maybe you need a bridge job, you need to talk to your financial advisor, um, you know, look at um, the, the date, you know, what's the date you want to leave your corporate job? Because that sets a timeline that they're working towards. And it kind of stops that procrastination, procrastination cycle of I don't have time right now. So I'll just get to it, get to it later. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what my first pillar is all about is really like fleshing out that business idea and figuring out what is it that you really want to do? Because a lot of people say, well, I just want to paint or I just want to um, you know, I, I had a client that wanted to launch a skincare company, but it's, what do you want to do? Like, why, why would somebody want to buy your product off of the shelf instead of somebody else's, you know, like really identify, um, what it is you're going to do. And that's what we do in the first, the first pillar of my program. Yeah. It just made me think of um, kind of like in the in the capturing somebody's attention and why would somebody buy from you? One of the projects I would do with the kids is, um, especially middle and high school, uh, it was most understandable to do like Nike, you know, to look at that and, you know, create a poster for sneakers and be able to, um, you know, you have however many seconds, 30 seconds or less to grab somebody's attention, really. So it was looking at all these things of why should they buy your shoes? What right. you're creating, why should they buy it? Like, why should they even care? Um, what are you going to do? What words are you going to use? What colors are you going to use? What imagery are you going to use? What does your product, how is your product going to get their attention to actually have them care to look, to take the time to dive in further? And right. um it's a, it's so fun. It's just like a, the kids always are like, you know, you don't realize how challenging that is because there's layers to it. Absolutely. Not and, so you know, cool. for, for it to be successful, like you've got to be aligned to it as well as the business owners. So, you know, um, understanding, you know, what is the vision you have for this business and what is the value that you're bringing? So almost creating like a value statement, like what value do you bring? Why does it matter to you? And why should your clients care? Like what, what is it that you're offering them that is speaking to them, you know, and, and creating a connection with them yes. um, that makes them want to go and, and be your customer or your client as opposed to somebody else's. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm finding more and more. And anybody who's listening, if you want to chime in, please feel free to put in the chat box. But uh, the longer, it's, it's the practice. So it's the practice in being in spaces and talking to multiple people and getting to the point quickly so people can want to hear more. It's that whole elevator pitch that really is 30 seconds 
um, or less to grab somebody. Do you know how you're, you're in meetings and you say everybody has like 30 seconds or a minute to talk and then there's a person that talks for five minutes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, ah, ah. Right. <laughs> uh, you've lost me already. But the more I talk about what I do and the purpose of what I do, because it's aligned with my passion and my values and my morals and my mission, it comes out so easily. And people lately have been like, oh, yeah, I'm in. Right. Because it's coming from that heart space. It's like it, it's completely aligned. And it's authentic because when you're truly all in with the business that you're doing, you can't help but almost ooze it. You know what I mean? Like it just comes out of you. You're not you're not selling anymore. You're just sharing. And it's something where um, it's just part of, of what you do and who you are. And it's just natural. Uh, you hear that, everybody? There we go. It's not selling, it's sharing. Yeah, it resonates in a completely different way. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's really, really powerful. So when we had our initial pre-chat, I don't know if I wrote this down correctly, but I just, did you, do you consider yourself a type A personality? That's funny. It's <laughs> funny that you would say that because I literally the other day just wrote about this on LinkedIn. Um, and I used to describe myself as a type A because, you know, that's what, um, what I thought I was. I was a high achiever and I set big expectations for myself and I was a hard worker. And, you know, that was something that I literally prided myself on was being a type A person. Um, but I've never actually really looked into what being a type A person means other than what that umbrella definition is. Um, but there's other things that are kind of on the shadow side of being a type A, like you're hasty and you're impulsive and you're potentially hostile, you know, like these are things that I did not want to be um, described as or, or to be associated with me. Mm. But, you know, I, I do, I do think I'm a type A person in that I, I'm a big dreamer. And I am a high achiever and I do set big expectations for myself and I do work hard to meet them. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that I want to be the um, I, I don't want to be impatient and I don't want to be impulsive and, and all of those things that are on the shadow side of it. So, yes, I describe myself as a type A person, but um, I think it's an important um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't, I, I just think it's important to strike a balance between that driven and hardworking, determined to succeed person with that, like impatient, irritable and highly stressed person. So it's kind of like the difference between loving what you do as a type A person or just doing what you do as a type A person. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, as you were talking, the word that came into my head too was balance. It's a a matter of having that balance because I consider myself in certain ways to be type A-ish in the way that I want things a certain way. Um, So I'll kind of, there's sometimes a little rigidity because I kind of see it a certain way, but then I can kind of loosen up when I start to see how it could flow and change um, and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't see it from that perspective. So, okay. So maybe I'm not so rigid in that way. Um, so there's, there's that kind of like, I want things a certain way, but then there's also the looseness and the flow of, okay, let's see what happens. Let's just kind of go with it. There's a structure, but there's a big open-endedness. So 
Right. That balance. And, you know, I do still struggle with, um, uh, you know, and I actually, again, a, a, a friend of mine um, was, was talking about this. And I, I actually, in this conversation said to her, I struggle with the what's next, like constantly wondering, okay, so what do I go from here? Like, what do I need to do next? Instead of just kind of sitting back and um, being happy and content with where I am at the current moment, I still am looking for, okay, so how can I, I, how can I make this bigger or how can I get this further or how can I, you know, get a step higher or whatever it might be. It's always that what next mentality. And that honestly is something that I go through a lot of um, self-reflection work for my, from, from on my own um, and work with, with my own coach through that um, because it's important to take some time and, and to sit back and actually acknowledge what you've done and how far you've come. Otherwise you're just constantly pushing and racing and, and you're on a road to burning out, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I use type A, but I use it with hesitation now. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I totally understand. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, totally. And I think and what I like about what you just said is being honest with vulnerability and admitting to where you are in things because we're not perfect, this whole perfectionist thing. So in being able to say, yeah, I do kind of struggle with what's next and the acknowledgement phase and uh, the acknowledgement to stop and actually acknowledge because right. we do, it's, it, you know, you can always say it's a societal thing and all this, but there is, things are very fast paced. So it's like, okay, I did that accomplishment, check, check, done. Right, um, right. But, and I, I honestly, it's something that I have become a, so much of a greater awareness of. And one of my really great friends brought it to my attention. She, I, we have an accountability group. So we're touching base and we're just like, okay, so this, she's like, how did the week go? I was like, this, this, this. And I was like, and then I'm going to do, and she said, can you just stop for a minute? Right. Do you do you hear what you actually just said? I'm like, well, yeah, but there's part of me that was like, oh, well, that's just something that happened. It's like, well, okay, just breathe into that and acknowledge it and just stop. Right. Because it, it gets exhausting and you don't want to, you know, especially um, in a situation with me for with with my clients is they've left a job because they're feeling that right. They're feeling that constant pressure of of moving forward and achieving more. And building a business, of course, you're building a business because you want it to be profitable. You want it to be successful. You know, you want this to work for you, um, but you don't want it to put you under the same stress and feeling and anxiousness that you felt in your previous role that you left to get away from. Right. So being able to step back and, and saying like, okay, I've done this. And, and yes, it's taking me some time and it's taking me, you know, an effort to build it, but focus on what you're actually building and the end goal in sight so that you don't, you know, find yourself back in that situation that you intentionally made the decision and the conscious decision to leave behind. Yeah. And again, that's, that's a really great point. Cause again, for me, you know, it goes back to that whole feeling things. Um, right. Yeah. Because like you said, you don't want to feel the pressure, all the reasons that a person made a decision to change their life and to go after their passion and to choose this direction. You don't want to take on that same feeling because it, it takes it all away. Right. Exactly. And yeah. then it starts to it starts to not 
um, make your creative passion fun anymore. Like it, it turns it into something that you're actually not enjoying as much as you used to, or you could. Yeah. Yeah. That's so much of what I see is because we get so stuck in the head. It's, it's being, instead of being leading from our heart in that way, not that everything is just like, oh, I'm feeling this and this is the way we're going to go. But when you're in your head all the time, then you're just analyzing, analyzing, strategizing, and you're not able to actually feel. And when you're coming from a space of, of having that balance of, oh, okay, this actually feels good. I'm leading with my heart. This actually, this is something that I want to do. Then it doesn't, it doesn't feel like such work. Right. Right. So, so hard. And I think for me also seeing guiding people to understand that these like creative brain breaks and just created creative breaks, like stop working for this, whatever it is, even if you love what you do, like go outside, go cook something, go dance yeah. around, go turn on the music, go call somebody that you wanted to call. Um, if it's something where you've been wanting to take a class in something, but you've been putting it off, then sign up. Like we put things off for so long right? because we're busy and then we just become resentful. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I actually, um, I make sure that every day I do something that has nothing to do with, with my, my business, you know, and it's not like I, um, it's not a, a major undertaking by any means, but, you know, for example, I have a Peloton bike and maybe it's just as simple as, as doing a ride that day or whatever it might be. Um, I make sure I do something that has nothing to do with building my business because I could find myself sitting in my office day in and day out, um, you know, between coaching clients and and building my business and then i have nothing to do with you know anything else and it just becomes an overwhelming um cloud really and i don't want my business to be a cloud i love my business i get really excited to talk to my clients and i get really excited when i think about the opportunities that i still haven't taken full advantage of um and i don't want that to go away so i'm very protective of it i'm very um I make sure that I'm fueling it and not forcing it uh, because I really don't want to find myself back in that place of, um, I mean, dread might be a heavy word and I don't really know if that's the right one, but I don't yeah. want to find myself back in that situation where I'm just like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Um, that's not what I built this for. That's not the right mindset for me as a business coach for creative entrepreneurs to bring to my clients. Um, I need to stay inspired and I need to stay excited. And so in order to do that, I need to take breaks, you know, otherwise it's just, it's just um, suffocating for lack of a better word. I can't think of anything else right now. Yeah. And uh, to be available for them. Right. Because when we're holding space for people in order, which they're feeling vulnerable and they need guidance, you're holding space and you're being a listener. So you need to be able to have yourself fueled and filled up in order to be present. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, my whole business is rooted in empowering creativity. How can I do that if I'm not feeling empowered myself? Exactly. 
which is a perfect segue. And I want to again recognize the people here live. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. Um, is it's a great segue to find out more about how you incorporate creativity into your own life. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, um, I do mainly work with creative women who, who are feeling stifled in their careers and looking for a change. And, you know, they've, they've typically found themselves in this situation. They've either worked towards it, whether it's a conscious or unconscious action that they've, they've made um, to get to this place where they're, they're making money, but they're not enjoying what they do. And, you know, most of them are there because it was either the next natural step in the, the corporate line or their boss or someone in HR thought it would be a good fit for them, but it's not really where they want to be. And they have a limiting belief that they can't make money doing what they really want to do anyway. So they just settle. So this is what I do. Um, you know, I'm not doing this to, you know, climb the, the corporate ladder anymore to fill my bank account with more zeros, which is what my, my mindset really was back when I was working in corporate. It was a very different motivation than I have now. I'm doing it now because I find that I myself receive a ton of value um, in, in bringing women along and allowing them to find, you know, fulfillment with creative businesses and, and doing um, creative activities in order to, to fund their futures and fund their lives. And offering a program that is designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs keeps an ever present like focus or stimulus on my own creativity because I want my program to be coveted by creatives. You know, I can't offer something that seems like a humdrum kind of offering. So for me to do this, I constantly have to be exercising my own creativity. And again, you know, going back to my history, I'm a musician. Um, I was a singer and a flute player. And I say was because I, I don't like I don't perform anymore. I very rarely pick up my flute. I sing constantly. Um, but I still have that creative element, you know, like when I was in corporate, a lot of my focus was in marketing and public relations and communications and event production and that type of background, which is all very creative within the corporate landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, the difference is I was working with brand guidelines and, and the corporate voice and what was okay and what wasn't. So it's a different type of creativity, but it's still really the most creative arm that you can get within the corporate business mm -hmm. from my perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but for me to really be able to attract creative entrepreneurs and, and to have them covet it, like I said, I'm constantly evolving this program and designing new components because I want to give creative entrepreneurs what they're looking for, but I also want to give them what they didn't even know that they needed. And that forces me to exercise my creative muscle constantly to attract the type of clients that I want to work with. Right. So it's not the typical, you know, when people think of creativity, but as we started this whole conversation, I don't define creativity by holding a paintbrush or a pencil. Like it's a very, um, Creativity is a very vast and broad skill to have. And it's a, it, it's a really, um, um, it's an open and engaging opportunity to get creative with how you're going to do certain things. And so that's what I do in order to keep myself creative and to keep, you know, coming up with new ideas and, and innovative approaches is what would I be looking for as a creative entrepreneur? Um, and fill that gap. That's what I do. 
So tell me a little bit more. So I want to get a little bit more into Aaron as a person. So I get you in the business and that's amazing. And I hear everything that you're saying. So when you sing, Mm -hmm. are you singing like to yourself? Do you sing with others in front of others? I'll start there. It's mostly myself. Um, I, I'm not in a group or anything like that. I sing to my kids all the time. I used to sing to them, um, old toy trains and you are my sunshine were my two songs that I sang to my boys, um, when they were going to sleep at night. And I, I mean, I, they're older now they're 12. I have twins. Um, so I don't sing to them anymore, but you know, I did it every night from the day they were born until I don't even know. I mean, they were They'd probably be embarrassed to know that I said this, but maybe until they were 10. Um, and I, I'm constantly singing in the car. You know, I always have music on, always. Even when I'm working in my office, there's always music playing. It is a major, major part of my life. Um, you know, cooking dinner. I'm constantly got the, you know, the speakers going in the kitchen. I'm dancing around the kitchen, you know, singing into wooden spoons and embarrassing my children in front of their friends. Um, but that's just who I am. <laughs> that's what we do as parents. Everybody. Yeah. It's just, we are here to embarrass. So, yeah. So yes, I'm not in a group anymore. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't perform on a stage, but music is a major, major part of my life. So this is just to to reinforce and have people really get it to sink in that things show up in different ways, that just because we pivot and things change in our lives doesn't mean that it has to exit our lives forever. It just moves in a different, it flows in a different direction. Um, I totally understand the whole music aspect. I've said this in many podcasts before, but my, my daughter and I, you know, we blast the music when I'm driving and singing and we suck and we're just singing at the top of our lungs and she takes my hand and acts like it's a microphone and she's singing into it. And, um, it's just silly. And then when I have my husband in the car and my son, they just don't participate. They're just, they sit there with looks where they're just like, Oh my God, would you shut up? We're like, you are no fun at all. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm very lucky in that my husband will just jump right in there with me. I mean, I've got videos of him doing his own little concert promotions in in the kitchen or what have you doing little dance moves. And he's constantly singing in the shower as both of my kids do. One of them's really into anime and he sings in Japanese. And let me tell you, we don't speak Japanese, but he's singing right along. I mean, I'm sure it's not the right words. I'm sure it's not. But he's doing the best that he can. But it. yeah, it's uh, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so tell me some more. So we, we understand the music and the singing. Do you, are you a person, so cooking, you mentioned cooking. Do you enjoy cooking? I used to really enjoy cooking. I hate deciding what I need to make for dinner every night. I know, um, right? Yeah, it, I, I really don't like doing that. But the actual act of cooking, I don't mind cooking at all. I actually, yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. I, it's just the deciding factor that that I find frustrating. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I and I can cook. You know, I, I don't think I'm a, you know, I'm not a Michelin chef by any means, but I, I definitely can make tasty food. Um, so, yeah, I do enjoy it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the um, the deciding what to eat. 
whenever I, I come up with like, I have certain core basic things. So when my daughter's at work, I'm like, and we didn't decide what we were going to make. And my husband isn't eating that night because he's not hungry. So that means nobody else eats. So mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I can make, and she's like, I don't want stir fry. I'm like, oh, darn it. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that, that's my fallback. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, um, okay. So morning routines. Do you have any kind of morning? It's okay if you don't, but I'm just kidding. I know I do. I do. I actually, um, this is one of the things when I was saying I do this one thing every day is I wake up and I work out every morning. And I never used to do that. Um, I, it wasn't something that was kind of part of my my life as a regular routine when I was in corporate, I did exercise regularly, but not on the routine like I do now. So I wake up every morning, I do um, a Peloton ride and typically like a weight workout or what have you. I used to teach spinning. Okay. So it's something that I really enjoy being on a bike. Um, and so when I am spinning and, you know, some people would think like, oh, well, that's not really something that's enjoyable for me. It actually is like I I love to be on a bike. I grew up on a bike. I mean, my dad makes a joke all the time about how my legs were like tree trunks because I was constantly on my bike. Uh -huh. So it's kind of like my little escape. So, you know, waking up in the morning and hopping on my Peloton, I've got my basement set up um, like a spin studio. So I've got the flashing lights and the loud music and the whole thing. Um so I do that and that's part of my routine. And then I get my kids up and I make them their lunches for school and I get them off to school. And then I come back home and I work from my home office and get ready for my day. I love that you have your basement set up like a spin studio. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I love it. It's it's um it's a pretty fun little area that I've got set up down there for sure. Um, and then the other part of the basement is my kids' little gaming area. So they've also got the LED lights and, you know, their little setup going on. So if you come downstairs and you turn right, you hit my gym. And if you come downstairs and hit left, you hit the arcade. So it, uh, it's, it's a pretty good little, little situation we got going on down there. But I love what you're pointing out is that it's this immersive experience. Yeah. So again, you're taking from something that you did. So you taught spin classes, you love riding a bike, maybe at this point in your life, you don't have time to go out for a ride during the week kind of thing, but you figured out a way where you incorporate it into your routine and then you set up this environment that makes you feel good. It, it brings yeah. you happiness and that's, that's an incredible reminder. Yeah, it's awesome. And you know what? It didn't cost me a lot of money. I think I spent like 50 bucks for a light off of Amazon or something like it was not, but it works and it's unbelievable and it lights up the whole room and it's like lasers and flashers and it's fantastic. And it goes with the beat of the music. Like it truly feels like I'm in a studio. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. I love it. How long did you do that for teaching it? Um, I taught for not super long, maybe about two years. Um, and then COVID hit. And once COVID hit and all the gyms shut down, um, you know, obviously the studios were closed. And then once they reopened and they wanted, you know, they called me up and said, do you want to come back? And I was a bit hesitant because I was like, well, I've got this set up in my, in my basement now. And I used to teach the really early morning classes at 545 because I was an early bird and that's when I would wake up. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, you know, I don't want to 
sacrifice what I've got going now with my routine. And I used to do the spin classes for fun. Like it was something that I enjoyed doing, not something that I dragged myself to do. And so I kind of made a choice of like, well, what's, what's fueling me more? Is it waking up and doing it in my house the way I've got this set up or is it going and teaching the class? And yes, I miss the energy in the room for sure um, of having the other people there and, you know, having the participants within the class. I miss that incredibly. Um, but I've kind of built in interaction with other people in my day because I am a solopreneur. Like I do work alone in my home, but I've built in touch points with um, other coaches and colleagues and my clients and all of that throughout the day that I've, I'm getting that social um, aspect fulfilled because I am a real people person. I'm, I'm truly an expert extrovert. Like I love to be surrounded by people. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm finding that in other ways. And so I kind of had to make that choice of like, which way is going to, going to be best for me. And I might go back and, and do it. I do some of my own classes for myself in my basement, you know, I'll put on my own playlist and I'll go through my routines and, um, that's great too, but kind of had to make the choice. And that's what I've chosen for now, at least. And that's what I want to put out to listeners is to ask that question, which I think is a really great way to phrase it is what is fueling me when you're right. put into this kind of space? Because here, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, they offered me the job back and I should take the job because I did it before and I enjoyed it before. But it's weighing out, it's creating that balance where you realize how you feel and how it works for you or how it doesn't work for you. And right. I just love how you're expressing that you turned it into this morning routine that is your morning routine. Right. And, you know, I used to describe spinning as like my lottery job. I always used to say if I won the lottery, I would teach spinning or teach aerobics. Like that is what I would do. Because to me, I was like, this is great. You know, I can make money and I can be fit. Like it's a win-win. Um but I, I've realized, like, I, I did it and I loved it. I mean, I still love spinning. I still love being in a studio. Um, but it, it's, it, I don't know if it's my lottery job anymore. Um, I, I don't know if it, if it is or not. But I got to do it. And um, it was an experience that I would definitely never, ever trade in. But it's not, um, it's not giving me what it once did before. And I'm, I'm getting that from doing different things instead. Going with the flow. That's right. Yeah, going with the flow. Ah, perfect. So as we're getting to the top of the hour, and we're going to kind of round it out with the last question, which pulls it all together, puts a little bow on everything, which is why do you think creativity is important? So, you know, this is such a, a, a loaded question for me. Um, but, you know, for me, I think creativity is important because it lets me be me, you know, and, and when I described what I was feeling in my corporate job, like, I honestly think that part of that feeling was because it was absent. Like, I, I worked in a job that was very much, so I was the head of corporate affairs and the corporate secretary. And that is very much a job that is focused on like, the regulators and governance and working with the board of directors and policy and procedure. And it's, it's a very important role to have. But for me, as a creative person that wanted to say, but what about this? And can we try it this way? When you're dealing with a regulator? Well, no, right? Like you need to, you need to meet the requirements of the job and do what needs to be done. And, and there was really, 
from my perspective, not a lot of opportunity for me to be creative in the way that I wanted to be creative, right? And so I felt really frustrated and and in all honesty, I, I was sad. And, you know, I actually recently read somewhere that suppression is linked to depression while authentic expression is linked to well-being, connection, and higher levels of happiness. And that to me is so true because I was suppressing a really major part of who I was and I felt sad. Like I used to drive home and there were days that I would drive home and I'd be crying because I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so in my opinion, like creativity, it let me be me, you know, it opened the door for me to be able to actually express myself authentically. Like it's, it's real and it's raw. And yes, it definitely opens the door um, to parts of yourself that you might have in the past kept hidden for fear of like judgment or potential humiliation or embarrassment or whatever. But I think that people who allow their creative side to show, they actually feel more aligned with who they are. They get to lead lives that meet them like where they want to be. And it gives them an outlet to express themselves. You know, like they, they can express their emotions in a way that works for them, whether that's with a paintbrush or, or writing or, you know, going on Instagram and doing a live and sharing whatever it is that's going on, like whatever it is, it lets them do it in a way that works for them and helps them move past whatever it is that they're experiencing that they want to move past in like a healthy and heartfelt way. So, you know, I, I can't imagine um, what my life would be like if it wasn't for the creative outlets that I've had, whether it be through, you know, my own um, experiences as a performer or, you know, working with the stage management and the music promotion or, or working in PR and communications. Like I was able to get up and express myself in ways that worked for me until they didn't work for me anymore. So I pivoted. Mm, I love how you just said that it worked for me until it didn't work for me anymore. And maybe it just continues working for you. And that whole suppressing, I've, you know, I say, if you don't express, you're repressing. And, right. and the repression is, I mean, you're less connected to yourself and to others. There's less self-awareness. You're not giving yourself permission to do really anything. You're not giving yourself permission to feel, to do things that you actually enjoy, to, you know, to feel lit up. You're just denying, denying, denying. And that space does not lend itself well to functioning with others. That's and, right. And to functioning with yourself, to actually feeling good to be here. It, right. It, it, and it to feeling like you, you are being yourself. Right. Like what, to that, Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. To to feel like you you are showing up and and being who you want to be instead of that awkward, uncomfortable of like, can I say this or should I say this? Or is this going to come across weird or whatever? Like if you if you can accept the fact that this is who you are and this is what you want to be doing, um, then that's that's great. And believe it or not, it will actually attract the same people to you who will accept you and, and want to be aligned with exactly what it is that you're doing. So all of this fear of judgment, yes, it's real, but you'll start to realize that like when I actually show up, the people that resonate with what I'm doing are coming to me. So yeah. that fear will start to, to disappear and your creativeness will start to, to rise. Oh my God. Yes. Creativity lets me be me said so beautifully. Oh my gosh. 
Erin, can you please tell people how they can connect with you? Sure. Yeah. So you can go on my website, which is just erinneshi.com. Um, I'm also on um, LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. It's all on Erin Neshi. Um, so my, my handle is the same across them all. It keeps it easy. And um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I'm pretty active on all of them. I'm mostly on LinkedIn and Facebook because I find that that's where a lot of the people who are looking for help launching a business are, are on. But having said that, creative space is very much an Instagram an Instagram yeah. uh, venue. So I, I definitely am there as well. And then of course, yeah, my website. This has been, I am so grateful to have had this hour to chat with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And before we say our goodbyes, is there anything else burning that you feel like you want to share or any words of wisdom or feel like you um, shared it all? I, I think I've shared most of it. The only thing that I would put out to people is that if you are, doing something that doesn't feel aligned, you know, um, with your work, knowing that you really, the average person spends a third of their life at work. And if you're doing something that you don't really want to be doing, think long and hard about why you're making that choice and what other options could be available to you, because there's no point in working hard to get somewhere that you don't truly want to be. That is the most perfect message to end on. Again, Erin, thank you so much for hanging out and having this conversation. I just really, really appreciate you. Thank you so and, much, Hollis. Yeah, and everybody, thank you to those joining us here live. Very grateful. And those catching the replay, this space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing. So please like, follow, share these stories. I believe we've always needed them, but I think we need them now more than ever. We need to lift each other up and just be this connection to be inspired by each other. So um, we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are in this world and look forward to talking again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? There are so many ways to do things for you, to get yourself moving, to get your creative juices flowing, and to have fun. Check out I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing. Go to IamCreativePhilly.com, IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com, and check out the experiential kits. Check out Creative Shui, which is all about creative inspiration and guidance. And for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has an expression. And I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy. And I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody.